Hello and welcome to the latest Herbert Smith Freehills Private Wealth and Charities podcast. My name is Richard Norwich. I'm a partner in the London office of Herbert Smith Freehills and I head up our charities practice as well as the work that we do uh, on the trusts and the state side, particularly uh, contentious work. Delighted to be sat alongside my colleague Hussein Mathani, who is also in the group working alongside me on charities, trusts and estates work. And this is the latest in a series of podcasts that we've been doing where we sit down with charities, clients and contacts uh, to talk about them and talk about the charities that they're involved in and the great work that they're doing uh, and a little bit about how we've been able to support them on that journey. So you may have seen previously that we've had discussions with people at Oxfam, people at the uh, Big Issue, uh, people at various other places as well. And please do look back through the archive. There are some great conversations uh, previously. Uh, and today, I'm sure will be no exception to that. Today, we're delighted to be joined by Richard Honey QC. Um, and we will get into uh, our uh, the work that we've done alongside Richard in a moment. But first, say uh, thank you very much, Richard, for taking the time and joining us today. Thank you. Delighted to be here. So sh should we kick off? Um, pe people will guess, I think, from the QC bit at the end of your name there, what it is you do for a living. <laughs> do you, do you want to flesh that out a bit for us to, to start off? Yes, so I'm a, a barrister, been practising since 2003, mainly in public and environmental law. So um, practising, uh, I suppose, especially in judicial review type cases in the High Court, but also dealing with um, a whole series of quirky other areas of law like compulsory purchase, uh, compensation for land acquisition um, and uh, commons and village greens. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned Village Greens because I, I was looking at your, your LinkedIn profile and it says that one of your specialisms is Village Greens and that you are, fascinatingly, able to act as arbitrator or as inspector in Village Green inquiries. What's that? Yes, well, I mean, we've had a, a long-standing law in England and Wales to register land as a village green. So if local inhabitants have used land for 20 years or more for lawful sports and pastimes without um, permission or force or secrecy, they can apply to register the land as a village green, which is then protected by certain Victorian statutes, which effectively mean you can't develop or build on the land. So right. it's been a feature, I suppose, of my practice because it's uh, a way of um, protecting land that's used by local people, but also, frankly, a way of attempting to stop development. Uh, and we're usually talking about parcels of land on the edge of towns or villages that people have um, have been using for dog walking or sports and pastimes, which are then ideal for you know, a housing estate or something. So uh, you have to um, listen to evidence as an inspector and then decide whether you believe people have been using the land sufficiently for um, kite flying or dog walking or whatever it might be. And how many of the there are there in in the in the country village greens sorry to put you on the spot on that i mean this is a kind of a widespread thing presumably yes it is and there are different sorts of village greens i mean there's the traditional village greens that will have been around for many decades but the the kind of work that you do as a village green inspector or uh, an advocate at those inquiries is about new village greens and the right. government's changed the law quite a lot over the years to narrow the circumstances in which they can be registered because of their you know the kind of political angle to it i suppose but um 
I suspect there's, you know, probably a couple of dozen village greens being registered every year afresh on the basis of this. Goodness, no idea. The, the, the things you learn, the things you learn. Mm-hmm. So, um, obviously, village greens wasn't primarily what we were going to be talking about today. We we were, we were looking um, at, at charity um, and particularly your involvement in a specific charity, which we'll get to in a minute. But maybe you could um, kind of tell us a bit more about your involvement in charity and in pro bono more generally. Yes, well, I, I suppose, I mean, I started... Um, as a charity trustee quite a few years ago now, probably more than 15 years ago, because I was a parish councillor. Um, uh, we had a playing fields charity that I ended up being a trustee of, um, and then was asked to be a trustee of a bigger charity that was running an ath- athletic stadium locally. So I did that for a few years. And then I suppose I've been involved in things which are, are similar to it, like on the governing council of a university, for example. And I've always enjoyed that kind of work, albeit it's not related um, really to my main work as a barrister, but it's you know kind of interesting work and a way of giving back to society. Um, and then I suppose the big change was when I got involved in Sierra Leone and that's 10 years ago now in 2012 I had a friend a solicitor who'd been to Sierra Leone before and I went with him to do a fortnight's worth of legal pro bono work in Sierra Leone mainly training for paralegals and lawyers thoroughly enjoyed that Um, and then there was the um, the then president of the Sierra Leone Bar Association came over to London to visit the Bar Council and ask them whether they'd be prepared to give some assistance with capacity building um, for lawyers and judges in Sierra Leone. Um, and I've been a part of an organisation called the UK Sierra Leone Pro Bono Network for about 10 years now, which is a, a collective of lawyers and judges and Herbert Smith Freehills have played a very important part of that with their Fair Deal Sierra Leone pro bono programme. Um, and it's really out of that that this charity work grew, um, where we were working with one particular university in Sierra Leone. But it's been that experience of of helping to organise and do international pro bono work in Sierra Leone for the last 10 years, I suppose, that, that got me into this position of being a, a charity trustee for one particular charity. Fantastic. And and so let, let's talk about that university, which you've alluded to there, the University of McKenney. I suspect quite a lot of people listening today will be unfamiliar with the university. So maybe you could just kick off by telling us a bit about it. Yes. So, I mean, Sierra Leone country in West Africa, most people will have heard of Freetown, which is famous for its University, Furbe College, and indeed Freetown used to be known as the Athens of West Africa. But obviously it's a big country and there's more than just Freetown. And the main city in the north of Sierra Leone is McKenney. And uh, a university was set up there. It grew out of a technical college, I think, which was first set up in 2005 um, and has developed into a university and is now one of the the three main universities in Sierra Leone. Um, And I first visited there on my first trip to Sierra Leone in 2012, but we used it simply as a venue for training for paralegals at the time. But um, I ended up meeting the head of the law department there 
Um, and through this UK Sierra Leone pro bono network, we then built up quite a strong relationship with the University of McKenney and the law department in particular over the following years. So we started by providing some books for the law library to get that going. And we organized visits to McKenney by um, the Association of Law Teachers. So a couple of English law lecturers went out uh, and also law librarians from the British Institute, uh, British and Irish Association of Law Librarians. Um, and they went out to give some advice on, um, you know, how, how to uh, better deliver the law teaching uh, in um, the University of McKenney. And then over the years, we've also then provided more books with the help of the International Law Book Facility, arranged links, for example, with the uh, law clinic at the University of Kent and the law clinic at the University of McKenney, so that there were students um, helping each other on live cases. And indeed, we organised an exchange visit where students from McKenney came over to the University of Kent to visit. Um, and all that has really helped over the years develop the um, the law department so that University of McKenney students are now topping the law school exams when they get to the professional stage of training, for example. Um, they are doing very well in mooting. So in the International Criminal Court moot in 2021, for example, um, the University of McKenney mooting team were named the best team from the Africa region. And they're also developing an, a, a master's in law program with specialist materials, for example, in international criminal law required for that. So it was that, I suppose, that relationship with one particular um, department in the university that then led to some conversations about what more we might be able to do to help with the university more generally. And we'll come to that in, in a second, but just for, for my education perhaps the education of some people listening, you, you, obviously there's a lot of interaction there between English law and, and local law in Sierra Leone. I'm aware that Sierra Leone was, was a British colony back in the day. It, is the legal system similar to what we would know here? Yes and no. I mean, essentially there's two legal systems in Sierra Leone where in the old um, colony around um, Freetown, there is um, essentially a common law system, which is uh, would be very familiar to English lawyers, and indeed I suspect those from Australia and elsewhere as well, where almost the kind of the law of England and Wales was frozen at some point, as it were, in the 1950s, and that's what Sierra Leone has been left with, subject to developments over the years, particular new statutes that have been introduced. But then, for the rest of Sierra Leone outside. Um, the Western area, what used to be the protectorate of Sierra Leone, they still have customary law system um, operating in parallel as well. So it is a really fascinating legal system, but one which would be essentially familiar, at least in large part, to common lawyers. Great, thanks. So you, you mentioned before about, uh, I suppose, expanding the, the, the support for the university and Obviously, to some extent, that's I'm looking at Hussein here because he's the guy who did almost all the work at our end in terms of registration of a charity to support the University of McKinney. But can you talk us through a, a little bit about, I suppose, what the idea is behind having an English charity at all to, to support the university? 
Yes. Well, I suppose the idea grew out of what we had been doing to help the law department, um, which was, I suppose, strengthening the university, but then clearly changing the lives or helping to change the lives of the students that we were um, working with. But also, I think, in a, you know, a modest way, helping to build a kind of much stronger society in Sierra Leone. Uh, and there were obviously other parts of the university that were playing similar roles. So the university um, you know, is strong in public health, for example, development studies, um, aspects of civil society work, for example, mass communications and education degrees. So there was a real opportunity to, um, to do more across a whole range of subjects. And the idea was that um, the UK charity would exist um, to, to help advance education and learning of students in the University of McKenney. Uh, and the, the UK charity was proposed, I suppose, as a way of providing reassurance to potential donors so that there would be a regulated UK charity that would be able to receive donations, oversee the disbursement of funds, um, and that would provide additional reassurance to potential donors. I mean, Sierra Leone is a country that, that has had its challenges over the years and corruption is pretty widespread um, throughout Sierra Leone, unfortunately. So the idea was that whilst the University of McKinney is exceptionally well run, there may be some organisations that are reluctant to simply donate directly. So the idea was that the University of McKinney would be able to receive funding via the UK charity that would not otherwise be available to it, for example, from people who wouldn't be um, you know, able to donate to a body based in Sierra Leone. Um, so the role of the charity is really to, to, to receive and manage and disperse funds uh, and in particular to monitor the expenditure and make sure that things are being done. We're not intended to, to have a kind of active fundraising role. Um, it, it's more of a, a shepherding um, and quality assurance role, I suppose, which means that we can be run, um, hopefully, certainly we have to date on a pro bono basis by the trustees without having to worry about you know setting up a big um, or any kind of real organisation to support us. So that was the idea. Um, and you know, hopefully it, it's going to work out in practice. I was just checking the date here when Hussein managed to get the Charity Commission to successfully register the charity. That was the 25th of November 2020, um, which was a difficult time for the world at large and perhaps not the easiest time to to start a, a charity. And I, I think in part two, we're going to get into some of the challenges that you faced. But is there anything so far that you can point to as a uh, as a, a success or or things that you've been able to put in place to, to set yourself up for the future? Yes, I mean, I think there's, there's a number of things. Certainly progress has been slow, um, but we've recruited, for example, one additional uh, new trustee who's excellent, uh, Professor Bill Chambers, who's a former pro-vice-chancellor of Liverpool Hope University, um, who's got much charity and international development experience. Um, he's been excellent. We have um, been looking at what additional trustee expertise we might well need um, as the, the charity develops and trying to identify people 
who may be useful and ideally people with real experience or connection to Sierra Leone as well. So looking at people working in charity management or charities lawyers, for example, marketing uh, and so on. Um, and we have been thrashing through really both as trustees for the charity, but also with the University of McKenney staff in Sierra Leone, a kind of mode of operation for the, the charity, because we need to obviously work very closely with the university, indeed kind of hand in hand with them. So we've been thrashing through what needs to be done to get the bodies working together. Uh, and we've identified now, not only have we built you know, a good relationship with the vice chancellor of the university, but we've um, got uh, now a good working relationship with a couple of excellent staff members at the university to work with us on the more detailed elements of it to make sure we get it all working. And the, uh, the, the key thing that the stage we're at at the moment is um, having you got to the point of recognizing that the university doesn't have a kind of fundraising strategy it's been um you know reliant on grants and you know, it's got very good i suppose at bidding for those larger grants but not in um fundraising in particular um from a wider range of donors so we're working with the university at the moment to develop a fundraising strategy which will hopefully be good for the university but also frankly it's essential for us to, to have a strategy that we can work within and indeed to ensure that the university is able to go out and identify donors because if there's no money coming in there's no money for us to be be um, shepherding Great. Thank you so much for that, for that Richard. Uh, yeah, it's great to hear how the uh, charity is, is developing, especially as it was set up in, I think, such a such a difficult period for the world and I imagine for, for Sierra Leone. Um, and it was yeah, it was great to have you on um, today. Uh, and in part two, I'm sure we'll build on quite a few of these points and, and get into the real detail of what the charity is getting up to. The challenges that you you faced and your trustees have faced as well as what's next for the charity but but thank you for telling us about about you your, your background in particular on village greens i'm sure our avid listeners will uh you know, will know a bit more about that and if they have any village green issues they know who to call uh, uh and it's great to see your pro bono journey i think a lot of the lawyers who listen to this podcast who do pro bono uh, me included uh, it, it's fascinating that you started off as a parish councillor, worked in more charities and uh, worked in bigger charities, uh, and how you got involved in Sierra Leone from from training um, paralegals to, uh, you know, I think, probably fairly setting up the legal sector of that university and, and really developing it into into something uh, you know, that the students can be proud of, from uh, from mooting successes uh, to to topping leaderboards for. Uh, for exam results. Um, it's also interesting to know how the legal systems in Sierra Leone um, operate. The fact that there are two legal systems, that, that's uh, excellent to know. It seems that their law students will have double the work that I had anyway, at university. Uh, and it's great to know how the charity really supports the university's work and, and how the university is going from strength to strength and how the charity supports that in a shepherding role. So um, thank you so much for, for your time today and we'll speak to you soon about the charity in more detail. Thank you.